You are listening to Fed by Ravens with Matt and Adam. Good morning, Matt. Good morning, Adam. Welcome to day 213 and 214 of reading through the Bible in one year. We're reading and really we're passing it on to you through the oral tradition that is sitting around the metaphorical campfire talking about the story and the interaction and the laws that God has given to his people on earth. And it's been 2,000 years since Christ and 2,000 years before that that this has been going on. So we're part of something that's uh, really the oldest tradition, the oldest and most cool thing going on in the history of the world. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Where are we today, Matt? In the Old Testament. Our Old Testament reading for today is First Chronicles chapter 11 through chapter 14. We made it through all the genealogies. We even made it through Saul mm-hmm. and his kind of disappointing reign as yeah. the first king of uh, Israel, a united Israel. And kind of even a uh, foreshadowing of what will befall all of Israel. Right. Everything. And now we make it into a little bit of narrative with David and some more lists of names. Yes, <laughs> there are some more names, but it's a little different. We have David now is uh, gathered together to David. All of Israel gathered to David at Hebron, right? And Hebron yeah. is after his, he ruled there for seven years. Seven over, and a half years. Over a smaller group, kind of a Judah yes. group. And, and then this is now the beginning of the story of the rest of Israel saying, mm-hmm. we like you. Yeah, and again, the chronicler is just kind of um, getting down to the essence of what David's rule was. And he's like, we all know the failures and the faults, so we're not going to focus on that in this retelling. We already have kings and all that to tell us that. we've already been to Babylon, and now we're back. Yeah. And so now it's... David, though, for all his faults, was the ideal king, and the promise of a Messiah is through his line. So let's see what that looks like. And uh, the thing I noticed right away in chapter 11 is their expectation of what a king, the term king, means Mm -hmm. is so much different than ours. You know, we we live in a democracy, elected officials, and they have a limited term. And Mm -hmm. the only thing we expect from those guys is to carry out like a political agenda, have some influence, and then we judge them as good or bad. But historically, you can just see from the beginning that um, these people are coming to David at Hebron, these people being the rest of Israel, saying, um, it was you who saved us. And the Lord your God said to you, you shall be shepherd of my people, Israel. Mm-hmm. You shall be prince over my people, Israel. And they get to the point where they're like, um, there's a line about, like, we're bone, we are your bone and flesh. Yes. And so something historically to understand is that your king was a shepherd. Mm-hmm. So the king of your little village, the king of your country, of your nation was like a shepherd to you. He mm-hmm. was a father to you. Like, we are bone and flesh. We, mm-hmm. So whatever happened to you, the king took personal responsibility for, and he was either evil and a bad parent, or he was a good parent. Right. But that's why David is so revered, because people thought, we want you to be our daddy. That and he looks to God. Yes. He seeks after well, God. That's what. that's why what makes him so great, mm-hmm. and that's what the chronicler is highlighting. Oh, but I did have a connection about mm-hmm. um, when Jesus does the Beatitudes. Yes. So the reign of God, like mm-hmm. blessed are the poor. Right. For God will be their God. You know, he'll reign over them. Blessed are those who mourn. And you go on 
And that's the relationship to a king. So like all the Beatitudes about you hunger and thirst, I'll satisfy you. You are meek and lowly, but you'll inherit the earth. And it goes on and on. Um, that's the expectation we have for a king historically. Mm. Mm-hmm. Now it's been diminished today, but realize that. So when they're saying David is our king, it's a huge deal. And right. then, of course, what, what separates David is he's a man after God's own heart, which is, is exactly the kind of king the people of God need. Yes. And the kind of king we get in Jesus uh, several several years later. But so, here's what happens, right? Yeah. It all starts to fall into place. So through chapter 11, we get David uh, taking Jerusalem from the Jebusites. Yeah. And we get uh, the raising up of Joab, his nephew, to commander, because he was the first one into uh, Jerusalem. Because again, remember, Jerusalem is this fortress on a hill. From the Jebusites. Yeah. And so it's like well defended, and they were mocking, and like, you'll never take us. But he takes this untakeable fortress and makes it his own. The, the, the Jebusites were neither Israel or Judah. No, they're Canaan. They're Canaanites mm-hmm. that still had this amazing mm-hmm. city. So yes. Joab gets the commander of the army position by leading... By getting up there first. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, then we get, in Chronicles, we get the list of David's mighty men uh, at the beginning instead of at the end of his rule as in Kings. Do you think that's because um, the chronicler is, first of all, highlighting that David is getting support, but then he's getting the best army. So as your dad and mm-hmm. as your king, he has the best of the best. Yes, working for He him. has the dream team. He has their allegiance. He's going to mm-hmm. have like their valor, and he's going to get all their victory. And so this is a list of the dream team. I don't know if you remember... Yeah. The dream team, oh, okay. actual for the United States basketball team. You get Michael Jordan, Larry Bird, and that's what this list is all about. Yes. And so a lot of these stories will probably uh, trigger some memories from the first time we read this in Kings. Uh, again, a lot. I, I'm going to watch the highlights of these yeah. guys in heaven. Yeah, definitely. I mean, this is definitely an all-star I'm like, video. I'm like... I got to see some of this. This sounds crazy. I need to know what you guys meant. <laughs> no, I can't wait for uh, in the new creation when we can meet some of these guys. I know. And then they can just tell us the stories, but then yeah. because we're perfect, we can maybe actually see it. And yeah. smell. I mean, I don't know how the DVD machine or whatever. I don't know, but it's going to be awesome. But I do want to say too, this history from the Chronicler, there's different types of history, social, political, mm-hmm. religious. This is really a heritage. So when you have a heritage, uh, heritage kind of history, mm-hmm. you're passing down uh, inheritance. Think heritage, inheritance. So as the people of God, you have these mighty warriors fighting for you. Right. Right. And so we get, as the people of God, mighty people that God has raised up to defend us. Mm-hmm. We get angelic forces. We get all this. So that's part of why the listing is mm-hmm. like, don't think you're going to feel isolated and weak and alone and vulnerable, but man, you're surrounded by uh, some of the fiercest warriors ever to walk the earth. Yeah. And that kind of wraps up uh, chapter 11, 11 uh, unless there was some highlights in chapter 11. No, I, I think it's just this, these are the guys who are fighting yeah. for David. And these are the people that he's kind of picking up while he was on the run from Saul. Yes. And people were so unhappy with Saul's reign that they started defecting which um, we start to see in 12. And this is right before Saul's death that tribal members started to, like, in mass going to David. That's what chapter 12 is about, really, Mm -hmm. right? It's like you start seeing huge swaths of 
Saul's kingdom going, hey, David, we don't know what happened between you two, but we know that when you were with Saul, he, we were winning. Yes. David was killing his yes. ten thousands, and Saul was killing his thousands. And really, Saul only killed his thousands in that first battle. Yeah. So the first recorded are Saul's own kinsmen, Benjamites, oh, yeah. the tribe of Benjamin, who were traditionally pretty vicious warriors. Uh, big tribal leaders move over to David and like, you know what, David? We're with you. Then we get uh, a bunch of Gad, Gadites, who also are crazy warriors from the Transjordan side, and they were they were basically uh, protecting the outermost defenses. So these guys were really intense warriors. Right. Uh, there's this ex, like this little note that they would um, they would cross the shores of the Jordan uh, when they were flooded because uh, I've read up that there would be raiders and stuff would come during the flood season um, on the west side and kind of come in and raid, and then they would bank on the flood to keep any help from coming from the east. And the Gadites were like, oh, we're going to swim across or cross the Jordan and defeat you anyways, so we don't care. We'll do whatever we have have to to do. do to protect our borders. And so, again, it's just these... um, so then we get Benjamin and Judah are coming with David, and it's just this idea that all these guys are, all these tribal leaders are starting to go, David's our guy. We don't know what Saul's up to anymore. And and remember, if you can remember, Saul was like acting crazy at this point. He was constantly going into fits of rage. Yeah. He uh, killed a bunch of the Levites. And so, uh, oh, in, in the Benjamite, I did want to point out in the Benjamite yeah. uh, def- uh defection we have the Korites the Korites um the sons of Korah mm-hmm. defect with the with Benjamin and wow. go to David and they're like we're with David well it's all crumbling for Saul mm-hmm. and but there's this moment in uh verse 16 where the men of Benjamin and Judah come to the stronghold of David and David just goes out to meet him and says if you've come to me in friendship to help me my heart yes. will be joined to you mm-hmm. this is so much reminds me so much of like Jesus call like, come to me, don't turn from me, and mm-hmm. I'll, I'll befriend you. But if you betray me and my, uh, to my adversaries, although there's no wrong in my hands, then may the God of our fathers see and rebuke you. But then the Spirit clothed the chief, these guys who came, and they started um, crying out and kind of prophesying almost, We are yours, O David, with you, O son of Jesse. Peace, peace to you, and peace to your helpers, for your God helps us. And that kind of says it all, like the momentum is shifting to mm-hmm. now David as he's going to, and really... To get us through chapter uh, 12 and 14, it's the coronation of David as king over a united Israel. Israel. So yes. for the last seven and a half years, it's been kind of Judah versus Saul, which was a foretaste of the greater division that's mm-hmm. later to come, 80 years later or whatever. And, um, and so you see that it just starts to crumble, and there's a great celebration, and people from all over Israel coming to the celebration of the coronation of David mm-hmm. in Jerusalem now called the city of David, yes. where he's going to rule a united Israel in this mm-hmm. whole promised land. Yes. And everyone's bringing gifts, and it's a huge celebration. And this is where you get David's like, David is searching after God, right? Yes. And he's a man after God's own heart. But some stuff happens. Like he also has, they mention his failure here. They don't mention really all the other failures, but they'll mention the failures as it is concerned to the temple, temple. and to mm-hmm. God. Uh 
yeah, so moving into chapter 13, David is like consulting with now all the new tribal leaders, mm-hmm. and he's going, we did not seek after God in the days of Saul, but I would like to seek after him now and bring the uh, Ark of the Covenant to Jerusalem. Does that feel right with everyone? And everyone's like, do yes, it. Yes. That sounds awesome. And so they have this big parade, and they load the Ark on a cart, which is not what they were supposed to do. They were supposed to have Well, a... bef- before that, I just want to say the celebration of his coronation is similar to, we have it in a small way with the Lord's Supper. Mm-hmm. And when Jesus takes his rightful throne over the whole earth, we'll have the marriage supper of the Lamb, talked yeah. about in Revelation. And this is the idea that we're coming from all the corners of God's land, promised land, which is the earth, to celebrate the coronation and King Jesus. Now, now we're getting into... Get, they got the ark. Yeah. Everyone's on board. And I was just thinking, this is what happens to us so often. It's happened to me where you're excited. You're decided to follow the Lord. You're going to do it. And then something kind of really challenging happens. And it's not really from the devil. Right. Because when you start to follow the Lord, it's not always like you're going to have demonic resistance. You're going to have fleshly resistance. Mm-hmm. But you have your own. It has a way of forcing you to deal with your own sin. Yeah. And so David right away has to deal with his own sin. Which yeah. is disobedience to the law of God. Right. Like, so again, this is a relationship. Mm-hmm. And God's made very clear, like, this is what it's going to take to be in a relationship right. with me. And there's consequences for not being in a right relationship with me. So I told you how to carry the, the ark, and yes. you didn't do it. But I like your relationship thing because, okay, you may have been in a bad relationship, mm-hmm. it, you break up. It right. wasn't a good relationship. But you carry over the yes. bad things from that relationship into your new relationship. Mm-hmm. And the new relationship has to work through that and go, hey, we don't talk to each other like that. Right. We don't believe these things. I know you did in your last one. And so David carries the ark the way his predecessors did, which yes. was not according to the law. Right. You weren't supposed to be that close to it. You're supposed to have poles. And yeah. so even though Uzziah's heart was good, and just like in a new relationship, everyone's excited for it. Mm-hmm. But you can't just do the same things. They right. weren't right. There's right. a reason the relationship ended. Yes. And so David learns the hard way. And then the fear of God, I think, is restored to him. Like, oh, yeah. 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 And so and for then, three months, he leaves it. He leaves it. And then there, but there's an actual change. Yes. Is a, occurs because of this punishment. And I mean, it's like a death of a person. And, da- and David's scared yeah. and he's confused and angry. But because of that, there's an actual restoration. We now can actually change because he's open. He actually wants to be in a right relationship with God. So he changes his behavior to go and conform to the way God says, hey, this is how it's supposed to work. Right. Obedience. Mm-hmm. And it's always for your good, and um, it's frustrating at first. So he waits, and then God, though, even with this, yes. so they leave the ark at uh, a Levite's house, yes. and God's blessing this house abundantly for three months. Mm-hmm. But God establishes David, and I think the short way to say it is, everything is going great. So you got Swimmingly. foreign, yeah, you got your... Um, your international policy, so you yeah. got some kings who you're able to work with, and mm-hmm. you're getting cedar, and you're making deals. That's good. You got domestic peace where you're having babies. Mm-hmm. Things are there's peace and growth, and building projects. And then you got your military, which the last part of fourteen is talking about. At least, yeah. Um, or was that all of fifteen too? Hmm? Oh. No, 
We're oh, doing. Romans 15, sorry. Yeah, yeah. and so uh, you got everything going well, and this is where David asked the Lord, do we go into battle against the Philistines? Yes, I'll give you victory. Do I go again? No, don't go. Go around the back yeah. and wait for me to go ahead of you. You'll hear my angelic force go ahead in, of you. in the um, trees. trees. And so that's a whole cool thing we've talked about. Mm-hmm. But the idea here it, for the chronicler is... Here's the army of David. Here's the support of David. Yes. Here's even David's heart to work with the Lord and restore the law and that nothing's more important, even more important than David, is the means by which God has said, I'm meeting you. Yes. So my law, my ark, my throne, my word, my temple, it's all very important and this is where I dwell because I'm important to you. And uh, so God will go before you and... Um, and he'll use David, a man after his own heart, to lead everybody. So this would inspire us as returning exiles, and even us now, is to go, wow, I wish we had a leader like that today. Mm-hmm. I wish we had all this going for us. And we do by faith in Jesus Christ. Yes. We're getting closer to the, oh, what's our next book? Yeah. So our New Testament reading for today is Romans chapter 14, verse 19 through chapter 15. Romans. So I think he's continuing the conversation in Romans chapter uh, 14, verse 19 Mm -hmm. about uh, don't destroy the work of the gospel over... um, these traditions and food, like what we've done yeah. in the past. Yes. Yeah. Again, it's he's just being like, let's be united. Let's yeah. work together. Let's be aware of one another's, where we're at, where everyone is at. And let's not cause another person to violate their own conscience. And let's work together to yes. build one another up. That's the point of this community. That's the point of what we're trying to do here. We're trying to restore everyone and move everyone towards freedom. Just because some of you might be further ahead of others doesn't mean you flaunt it in their face. You humble yourselves and match them where they're at and walk with them. Exactly. So it's love. So we got love God. You could say the whole Mm -hmm. book is love God with all your heart, soul, mind, strength, but love your neighbor as yourself. And so Paul's trying to go, here is the most immediate wound. We need to start loving each other. Find the weakest spot and build Mm -hmm. it up. Our weakest spot is confusion and anger over Gentile and Jewish differences. Yes. So show love. Here's some ideas on how to show love. Yes. And um, and even in 15, he's talking about the weak and the strong. But the way he connects that, though, it, it's so interesting. Like, he gets kind of from the argument of Jew and Gentile into personal mm-hmm. weakness and strength. And so in the end of 14... He's um, saying, love one another, but um, don't do anything that causes your brother to stumble. Mm-hmm. Like, just be loving. Mm-hmm. If they're going to have a big deal about it, just forego it, you know? Even if they're wrong. Even if they're wrong and they think that eating meat, you know, you have a vegetarian friend and they think it's wrong to eat meat. Fine. I'm not going to eat meat. I'm not going to serve meat when I'm with you. I can do that because I love you, man. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to make the gospel about vegetarian or not, or political party, you know? Right. But he says, the faith that you have, keep between yourself and God. Isn't that interesting? Blessed is the one who has no reason to pass judgment on himself for what he approves. For, but whoever has doubts is condemned if he eats because he is eating not from faith. For whatever does not proceed from faith is sin. Okay. Yes. This was 
crazy. Like, I was thinking, I, I read this passage, and I was like, whoa, what? And I had to, like, kind of pray and meditate yeah. about this one for a second, because I was like, what does that mean? I, I, yeah, I want to hear what you think. I have okay. some ideas, but yeah. Okay. What does that mean, Matt? So, yeah, because... Are you proceeding from faith, or if you're not, <laughs> Whatever sin. does not proceed from faith is sin. And, like, at a basic, at the most basic level, anything that's not under the reign and rule of Christ right. is unacceptable to God. Like, it doesn't matter if you're trying to do good things or not. It, it's just, out, apart from Christ, we're unacceptable. Right. We're filthy. Nothing we I do is... I mean, it's is, just dead. It's just dead, and it's not pleasing to God in the slightest. Like, a dead animal on the road can twitch a little bit, and yeah. that's the best it can do. Yeah. But it's not good. And... I'm not taking that animal home and feeding it. Yeah, and I realize, like, even when we're trying to do good things, like trying to uh, give to charity or serve... If we're doing it out of our own strength and not through faith of like, God, I just want to serve and love you, and I'm doing this because you've you've recreated me. I'm not invite if I'm not inviting God into the things I'm doing, they easily and quickly become a source of my own pride or frustration or there's something in there that always gets corrupted very quickly, and I'm doing it out of my own strength, and it's awful. And so I've even realized, like, in my own life, how I will start to, in very little things, just very basic things, invite God into, like, hey, I'm playing some games with some friends. Lord, be a part of this, because I want this to be life-giving and mm-hmm. and awesome, because apart from that, it ends up becoming weird. That's, that's good. You... That's it. Cool. So, like, for me, though, whatever does not proceed from faith is sin, mm-hmm. building on what you're saying to just completely practical the idea i'm getting from it is or what it's what he's saying is inviting god into everything Mm -hmm. right it's proceeding from faith but something like last night that i we're driving home from youth group and the light comes on for gas in the car right i have a choice i just want to go home Mm -hmm. but i know my wife drives this car tomorrow right so I can leave her to do it, but I know that's a big thing, and we've had discussions over. In fact, today's my 21-year anniversary. Been married oh, 21 years, so my, my marriage can officially drink alcohol, <laughs> but um, which it's in grave need of. I'm just kidding. Um, but, so if I chose not to do that, is that sin? Because here's what I'm realizing. The need for humans is to go, tell me what's right and wrong. Right. Am I allowed to smoke? Can Christians smoke? Can Christians um, drink? Can right. Christians vote for Republicans or Democrats? Tell me what to do. Mm-hmm. And Christianity is, Paul is saying, it's beyond that, brothers and sisters. It's beyond that. That is a very immature way of looking. So I can look at my marriage and go, is it wrong to not get gas in a car for her? And say, no, that is not wrong. That is not a sin. Mm-hmm. But is it loving to my wife? No. No. So... It would have been sin for me. I dropped the kids off and I said, I'm going to get gas. And I took my daughter, Grace, with me. Mm. I said, I'm going to get gas for my wife tomorrow. Because if I don't, it's just not loving to her. Mm -hmm. She doesn't have time for that. Mm -hmm. She's trying to get to work. It's a mess. And so um, that's how it works out to me. So for me, not getting gas would have been sin. Mm -hmm. Can you imagine? But if I try to preach that, and this is why Paul says, stop (laughs) judging. And, And you're judging yourselves. If the Lord puts something on your heart, like other people... I've often wondered this. I know Christian people who smoke. Mm-hmm. And I grew up, man, smoking's bad. Mm-hmm. It's just bad, bad, bad. Well, so if I ever smoke, I feel bad. Right. 
well, then it's wrong for me. Mm -hmm. Don't do it. Mm -hmm. Now, you have health reasons and you can use all that, but this is why we don't judge on things that are not clearly um, written. Written. Like we know, don't bow down to idols. Mm -hmm. Don't commit adultery. Don't murder. God made it very clear. He says, this is the kind of people you'll be. But there's a million things that we're going to start judging. Like, I've counted calories for some time now and I'm in the best shape of my life. And so I can tell everybody, you need to be in shape. You need to go to the gym. Right. No. But it might be sin for me to, to stop doing that. You know what I mean? Right, right. And that's what Paul's saying. But this is not to confuse you. This is freedom for mm-hmm. you. And you don't have to judge other people and you can trust that the Lord's working on them and they have different backgrounds. So it goes with what you're saying. You kind of came in, I feel like, from an upper level yeah. of you invite God into everything. And then I took the practical, right. I invite yeah. him into getting gas or not right. getting gas. Right, yeah. No, and exactly. that's why Paul says we cannot judge each other. Right. But food and festivals are religious ordinances mm-hmm. that Christ has fulfilled. Right. And that many Gentiles didn't grow up with. Mm-hmm. It's not sin for them. Right. So stop right. doing yes. that. Yes. And Gentiles. Stop judging the Jews saying, oh, you're still not eating shrimp. <laughs> you're free to eat shrimp. And the Jews are like, I grew up not eating shrimp. I'm not eating shrimp now. Right. And you start nothing to, wrong with And that. you start to distrust each mm-hmm. other. And so that's why he ends with chapter 15 where he's like, the example of Christ. Yes. So if you're strong, you have an obligation to bear with the failings of the weak and yes. not to please ourselves. Let each of us please his neighbor for his good to build him up. And that's where he goes, for Christ did this. He built you up. Yeah, and Christ bore all of our failings. Right. All of them, everyone's. He bore with them. So he's saying, you can at least bear with your fellow Christians' failings. And and, and then so he gets to it. He just gives, like, may God of endurance and encouragement grant you to live in such harmony with one another Mm -hmm. in accord with Christ Jesus that together you may with one voice glorify God and Father our Lord Jesus Christ. See, Paul's saying... We ought to be together, one voice, glorifying yes. Jesus Christ, our King. Mm-hmm. And if we're going to be uh, upset with one another, because I've learned some things and my conscience has mm-hmm. been pricked and it's for my good, but you're not there yet. Right. Um, if they're not plainly Ten Commandments stuff, it's like, hey, relax. Mm-hmm. And I was thinking about we have a tendency in our culture to only focus on the divisions and the things that separate us. And then we all condemn ourselves and go, we need to get along. Mm-hmm. But here's how we're all different. Right. And these differences are going to kill us. Mm-hmm. So like we focus as Christians on what we have in unity. And that is the Lord Jesus Christ. He's forgiven us and he's dealing with us through his spirit. So love your neighbor. Worship God with one voice. Um, and then he gets into more proof yeah. as to why he's the Gentiles are in. Mm-hmm. I think uh, at this point, he's shifting his argument um, well, at this point, he's he's wrapping it up. He's, he's wrapping like, it up in conclusion, right? And but he's writing to Gentiles, right? When you say the Gentile, pr- primarily a Gentile audience, but it's uh, Jews are now moving back into Rome at this point. Because I feel like the part, the last part of this through fifteen, is really his defense of his ministry. Oh, so yeah. he's saying at the end part. I mean, I'd wrap it up like this: Hey, Gentiles, I know I'm getting persecuted mm-hmm. for I'm for preaching to you. Yes. But I want you to know that what I'm doing is lining up with the Old Testament. So like he, yes. he quotes all these things. Mm-hmm. He's like, this is not my idea. This is not just me. So mm-hmm. I don't want you to feel bad or ashamed that I, or think I'm crazy. I also don't want you to think I'm going to turn on you mm-hmm. because this is deeply rooted in the Old Testament. This yes. is the heritage you're being grafted into. Mm-hmm. 
And he quotes a bunch of Old Testament scripture. Rejoice, O Gentiles. Moses even says this. Mm-hmm. I mean, when you quote Moses, yeah. so he's saying, Gentiles, here's how connected you are. Moses talked about you. Yeah. Isaiah talked about yeah. you. Yeah, praise the Lord, all you Gentiles, and let all the peoples extol him. The root of Jesse will come. Even he who arises to rule the Gentiles, in him the Gentiles hope. Uh, and it's throughout the Old Testament. Mm-hmm. This was to be for the Gentiles. But yeah. I want you to know, I'm not going to turn on you. Because I'm getting well, crushed for it. And I think, too, he's saying that because, remember, Paul is a Jew. Uh, but he's saying, look, the, this I'm fulfilling what, the, yes, what yeah. the people of God were supposed to fulfill, which yes. is announce the good news to the rest of the world. Well, and, that's, and that's what I am called to do as, as an Israelite, as a, a Benjamite, as a part of the tribe of Israel. I am coming in and I'm announcing to the rest of the world the Messiah has shown up, and he's for everyone. Yes. I, I love that. That's exactly right. And, mm-hmm. and that's what the end of 15, where he says, I'm satisfied about you, my brothers. Mm-hmm. You are full of goodness. And he's like, let me just remind you. He's saying, God has done work in you. Let me just remind you that I'm doing this because, oh, he has this great line where he goes, um, because of the grace given me by God to be a minister of Christ Jesus to the Gentiles in the priestly service of the gospel of God, so that the offering of the Gentiles may be acceptable, uh, sanctified by the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. And so he's proud of his work. Yeah. You can be proud when it's under the work of the Holy Spirit and of God. He's proud of them, and he's proud to be suffering for them because he's doing and fulfilling the work that God set out from the very beginning to be a kingdom of priests. Yes. And his priestly work is to the gospel. He's now ministering the sacrifice, the burnt offering of mm-hmm. Jesus Christ to the whole world. And I'm not ashamed of it. I'm actually proud of it. And I want you guys to know that. And then the end is his visit. He gets real practical. And I love just getting the connection of Paul where he's like, he mentions the generosity of Macedonia and Achaia Mm -hmm. and for the Jerusalem saints. Like he's still serving the Jews in Jerusalem who are Christians now. And he collected a bunch of money from Gentile churches to support the Jews in Jerusalem, the Christian Jews in Jerusalem that are, um, I think they're in a famine and yeah. so he's like getting money and support for them and delivering it to them. Yeah. And so he's saying some had spiritual blessings and some have material blessings and it's all to God's glory. Yeah. Don't get confused. I know you're getting some heat for this, but you guys are in. And my heart is for the Jews. And he, he says he doesn't want to build on another man's foundation. So mm-hmm. like his heart is to go share the gospel with the Gentile world. And you, you get Paul so thankful and connected to the Jews in all this, but he sees his role as a Jew very clearly. Yes. That's what's so cool, is he's a priest to the true God, of the true God, to the world, announcing Jesus Christ's death and resurrection, the fulfillment of the law of God, bringing peace between God and man. Amen. Amen. And that's why he says at the end of 15, may the God of peace be with you all. Amen. And we say the same thing. Thank you, Paul. Thank you, Jesus. Today I'm going to read Psalm 90 verses 1 through 10, and I just have to note that this is a psalm of Moses. Ooh. Yeah. Lord, you have been our dwelling place in all generations. Before the mountains were brought forth, or ever you had formed the earth and the world, from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. You return man to dust and say, return, O children of man. 
For a thousand years in your sight are but as yesterday when it is past, or as a watch in the night. You sweep them away as with a flood, they are like a dream, like grass that is renewed in the morning. In the morning it flourishes and is renewed, and in the evening it fades and withers. For we are brought to an end by your anger, by your wrath we are dismayed. You have set our iniquities before you, our secret sins in the light of your presence. For all our days pass away under your wrath, we bring our years to an end like a sigh. The years of our life are seventy, or even by reason of strength eighty, yet their span is but toil and trouble. They are soon gone, and we fly away. Boom! You've just been fed by ravens. Go in peace and serve the Lord. We will talk to you next time.